scriptures to think about. Hebrews 10.29 Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be though worthy who hath thrown underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John fifteen thirteen. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor the father and thy mother, which is in the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6.14 Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3.1 And 1 John 5.19 We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Why is that so few Christians consistently walk in love? Since we are born of God and have His loving nature within us, you'd think we do it easily, almost automatically. But we all know there is nothing easy or automatic about living a life of love. The reason is simple. We live in a world driven by selfishness. We are constantly surrounded by a society full of unsaved people who are concerned only about themselves. They are born of darkness. Just as we are born of the light, they have a fallen self-centered nature that is constantly under the influence of the devil. Their attitude is, I have to look out for myself because if I don't, no one else will. I have to grab everything I can because if I don't, it'll, I'll end up with nothing. In a way, they're right. Their father, the devil, isn't like our Heavenly Father. He isn't, he doesn't, excuse me, he doesn't meet the needs of his children. In fact, he doesn't care for them at all. He just uses them, abuses them, and throws them away. He actually wants his demons to eat their souls. Because we're constantly surrounded by that kind of thinking, it's easy for us believers to think that way too. When the pressure of the world bears down on us, unless we purposely fear on God's word, we'll, we'll end up acting just like the people around us. We'll find ourselves thinking, hey, if I don't selfishly try to push ahead in this world, I won't ever get ahead at all. Unlike worldly people, however, we don't have any business thinking that way. We do have someone looking out for us. We have Almighty God on our side. He is constantly blessing us and watching over us. He has promised to see it to it that we prosper and prevail. We don't have to seek our own. We can walk in love and focus on meeting the needs of others. We can spend our lives giving all we can to others instead of grappling all we can for ourselves. Knowing that our God has promised to give us, give to us again 
Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over. To do that, however, we will have to resist the external pressures that try to make us conform to the thinking of this world. We must renew our minds so thoroughly to the mindset of love that the moment of selfish thought presses itself upon us, we recognize it and reject it by nourishing ourselves on the truth of the Word and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We must grow so strong on the inside that we can resist the pressures of the world and live from the inside out in the nature and power of love. Amen and amen. Kind of interesting that when I watch a football game or I go to a meeting, I wake up the next day, half days, it seems like I didn't get my full measure of love. And sometimes reading John 14, 15, 16 as medicine and 1 John 1 through 5 as medicine and see it as medicine that we need it, we will get a good night's rest. We will get up fantastically excited. The next day, the Word of God stays in our hearts. Amen. Let's continue to read. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heaven calling, consider Jesus the apostle of the high priest of our confession. Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3.1, New American Standard. Once you realize you've been born again and given the very nature of God himself, the question immediately arises, how do I get the new nature within me to come out? Where do I get the power to push aside the impulses of my flesh so I can consistently walk in love? The answer can be found in Hebrews 3.1. You get that power from Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of your confession. An apostle is someone who has been sent for a purpose. If, for example, you gave someone money and sent them to the store to buy bread, that person will be your apostle to the grocery store. So the word apostle in itself isn't particularly holy. However, when God sends someone and equips them with power to carry out a task, being an apostle becomes a very supernatural thing. Add to the concept of the high priest who is one appointed by God with the authority to bring his word to pass on behalf of the people, and you get a glimpse of what Jesus does for us. He has been sent by God to bring to pass our confession of faith. When we confess him as Lord, for example, he is the high priest over that confession, brought the new birth to pass in our lives. When we say, Jesus, come into my heart, I receive you as my Lord, he administered the power necessary to make us new creatures. Instantly, old things were passed away, and all things have become new. Later, after we learn he had purchased our healing, we may have said in faith, Lord Jesus, I believe that by your stripes I was healed. I believe I received my healing. When we did, Jesus, as a high priest of that confession, saw to it that those covenant words we said came to pass and we were healed. In the same way, once we understand that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we can draw on that love by making the confession of faith. We can say, Lord Jesus, I believe I've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I believe the love of God dwells in me and I walk in that love. I receive the power to do it now. Amen. 
Go ahead. Let's go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe. I've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I believe the love of God dwells in me. And I walk in that love. I receive the power to do it now. Amen. One more time. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe I've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I believe the love of God dwells in me and I walk in that love. I believe the love of God dwells in me and I walk in that love. I receive the power to do it now. I receive the power to do it now. Amen. When we say something like that, Jesus goes to work as a high priest of our confession and uses his authority to bring it to pass. He loses all the grace we need to draw out his nature within us. He administers all the spiritual resources necessary to enable us to walk out our confession of faith. He gives us the power to live the life of love. Wonderful, wonderful reading. That was uh, Limited Love, October the 6th and October the 5th of Limited Love. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name. I have a scripture on my wall. I believe it's uh, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And I take that personally. I, I read it a lot. And this is what it says. It says, uh... Well, basically, it says, you are mistaken, Jesus tells the Pharisees. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. Woo. So I turn it around. I say, Jesus tells Fernando, Fernando, you know the scriptures and you know the power of God. Therefore, I send you out, go and heal my people. Amen. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I called you, I pray for you, I call you healed, I called you whole, I called you sanctified, I called you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I call you the redeem of the Lord, I call you the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Go, in the power of the Lord. Scriptures to think about. Hebrews 10.29 Of how much sore punishment suppose you shall he be though worthy who hath thrown underfoot the Son of God, and has counted the blood of the covenant 
wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and has done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. John 15, 13. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak. 2 Corinthians 4, 13. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor the father and the mother, which is in the first commandment, with promise that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians 6.14 Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3.1 And 1 John 5.19 We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Why is that so few Christians consistently walk in love? Since we are born of God and have His loving nature within us, you'd think we do it easily, almost automatically. But we all know there is nothing easy or automatic about living a life of love. The reason is simple. We live in a world driven by selfishness. We are constantly surrounded by a society full of unsaved people who are concerned only about themselves. They are born of darkness, just as we are born of the light. They have a fallen, self-centered nature that is constantly under the influence of the devil. Their attitude is, I have to look out for myself because if I don't, no one else will. I have to grab everything I can because if I don't, I'll end up with nothing. In a way, they're right. Their father, the devil, isn't like our Heavenly Father. He isn't, he doesn't, excuse me, he doesn't meet the needs of his children. In fact, he doesn't care for them at all. He just uses them, abuses them, and throws them away. He actually wants his demons to eat their souls. Because we're constantly surrounded by that kind of thinking, it's easy for us believers to think that way too. When the pressure of the world bears down on us, unless we purposely fear on God's word, we'll we'll end up acting just like the people around us. We'll find ourselves thinking, hey, if I don't selfishly try to push ahead in this world, I won't ever get ahead at all. Unlike worldly people, however, we don't have any business thinking that way. We do have someone looking out for us. We have Almighty God on our side. He is constantly blessing us and watching over us. He has promised to see it to it that we prosper and prevail. We don't have to seek our own. We can walk in love and focus on meeting the needs of others. We can spend our lives giving all we can to others instead of grappling all we can for ourselves, knowing that our God has promised to give us, give to us again good measure pressed down, shaking together and running over. To do that, however, we will have to resist the external pressures that try to make us conform to the thinking of this world. We must renew our minds so thoroughly to the mindset of love that the moment of selfish thought presses itself upon us, 
we recognize it and reject it by nourishing ourselves on the truth of the Word and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We must grow so strong on the inside that we can resist the pressures of the world and live from the inside out in the nature and power of love. Amen and amen. Kind of interesting that when I watch a football game or I go to a meeting, I wake up the next day, half days. It seems like I didn't get my full measure of love. And sometimes reading John 14, 15, 16 as medicine and 1 John 1 through 5 as medicine and see it as medicine that we need it. We will get a good night's rest. We will get up fantastically excited. The next day, the Word of God stays in our hearts. Amen. Let's continue to read. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heaven calling, consider Jesus the apostle of the high priest of our confession. Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3.1, New American Standard. Once you realize you've been born again and given the very nature of God himself, the question immediately arises, how do I get the new nature within me to come out? Where do I get the power to push aside the impulses of my flesh so I can consistently walk in love? The answer can be found in Hebrews 3.1. You get that power from Jesus, the apostle and the high priest of your confession. An apostle is someone who has been sent for a purpose. If, for example, you gave someone money and sent them to the store to buy bread, that person will be your apostle to the grocery store. So the word apostle in itself isn't particularly holy. However, when God sends someone and equips them with power to carry out a task, being an apostle becomes a very supernatural thing. Add to the concept of the high priest who is one appointed by God with the authority to bring his word to pass on behalf of the people, and you get a glimpse of what Jesus does for us. He has been sent by God to bring to pass our confession of faith. When we confess him as Lord, for example, he is the high priest over that confession, brought the new birth to pass in our lives. When we say, Jesus, come into my heart, I receive you as my Lord, he administered the power necessary to make us new creatures. Instantly, old things were passed away, and all things have become new. Later, after we learned he had purchased our healing, we may have said in faith, Lord Jesus, I believe that by your stripes I was healed. I believe I received my healing. When we did, Jesus, as a high priest of that confession, saw to it that those covenant words we said came to pass and we were healed. In the same way, once we understand that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we can draw on that love by making the confession of faith. We can say, Lord Jesus, I believe I've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I believe the love of God dwells in me and I walk in that love. I receive the power to do it now. Amen. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe I've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I believe the love of God dwells in me. And I walk in that love. 
I receive the power to do it now. Amen. One more time. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe I've been made a partaker of the divine nature. I believe the love of God dwells in me and I walk in that love. I believe the love of God dwells in me and I walk in that love. I receive the power to do it now. I receive the power to do it now. Amen. When we say something like that, Jesus goes to work as the high priest of our confession and uses his authority to bring it to pass. He loses all the grace we need to draw out his nature within us. He administers all the spiritual resources necessary to enable us to walk out our confession of faith. He gives us the power to live the life of love. Wonderful, wonderful reading. That was uh, Limited Love, October the 6th and October the 5th of Limited Love. Thank you so much. Let's go ahead and pray out with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name. I have a scripture on my wall. I believe it's uh, Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and I take that personally. I, I read it a lot, and this is what it says. It says, uh, well, basically, it says, you are mistaken, Jesus tells the Pharisees. You don't know the scriptures nor the power of God. So I turn it around. I say, Jesus tells Fernando, Fernando, you know the scriptures and you know the power of God. Therefore, I send you out. Go and heal my people. Amen. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I called you. I pray for you. I call you healed. I called you whole. I called you sanctified. I called you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I call you the redeem of the Lord. I call you the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Go in the power of the Lord.